When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. We are continuing our Hey, Mary Kay podcast. Uh, if you missed Mondays, go back on our feed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and check that out. We had so many questions. We're going to continue here on a Tuesday with some more. And Mary Kay, we've got a big one to start. Uh, so all these questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, our text subscribers. And this one comes from John in Fort Pierce, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay. Do you think there will be a total regime change if Watson is a bust and the playoffs are missed again in the 2023 season? Like I said, we're starting off with a bang. <laughs> Coming in like a wrecking ball, right? <laughs> um, well, you know what? I suppose if things completely go awry next year and nothing goes as planned and Deshaun isn't what anybody thought he was going to be and they miss the playoffs, that the Browns and the Haslams will start to lose their patience and take a good, long, hard look at this. But I just don't think anybody really expects that to happen. I think there's a strong feeling in the building that Deshaun is going to be successful next year, that he's going to flourish with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays for him. I know they're going to upgrade certain positions. We've talked ad nauseum about the fact that he needs more pass catchers. I think they will add to the pile. Uh, So I just don't think anybody's thinking along those lines. I don't think they're thinking hot seat and what if, and I think they're excited about what they have. I think they feel like uh, this is the core football team that they will finally have with the quarterback that they want. Uh, and that they'll still have their Miles Garrett and their Denzel Ward and their Nick Chubb and Wyatt and Joel and David Njoku and those guys. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure they will take a, a good, long, hard look at it if it doesn't go as planned. But even then, I don't know if they're going to blow things up right away. I think we'll have to see how it all plays out. And uh, and see how it all goes down, but I, I think they're pretty optimistic that it will go well. Yeah, so let, let's talk about this in a in a different frame. You know, look, if they go five and twelve and the offense is a disaster, then yeah, things things are probably a lot of people are going to be in trouble. But what is like the minimum? Like like if they go nine and eight and maybe miss out on the wild card in a tiebreaker. Is that enough to maybe not do a full regime change, but is that enough that at least Kevin Stefanski or maybe Andrew, one of those two would have to be uncomfortable? You know what? Again, I think it's going to be a situation where you have to see why that happened or how that happened. I mean, let's say Deshaun Watson gets hurt and they go nine and eight and miss the wild card. And he missed like with, with what happened with, Lamar Jackson this year, and you just really had a hard time running your offense. Um, You know, I think that you have to take into account those extenuating circumstances. 
but in a perfect world, if Deshaun Watson is completely healthy and for the most part, everybody else is, um, the bar has to be set at the playoffs. What would you do if you don't make, make the playoffs? I think you'd have to look at it. I mean, did the, you know, was it a really close race to the finish and, you know, it just didn't work out. Um, did they get blown out in a bunch of games that they lost? You know, I think each season brings with it its own storylines, its own consequences. And I don't think anything is written in stone right now. The expectation is that they will challenge for the playoffs. Once again, I've said this so many different times. Deshaun Watson is a $46 million a year quarterback. You did not acquire him to not go to the playoffs. So you already wasted year one of that because he was suspended for the first 11 games. You really can't afford to to waste year two of that and only have three years left at $46 million a year. If they don't make the playoffs next year, Dan, I know you're the the math whiz, 46 and 46. You're into the $92 million range already of two wasted seasons for almost $100 million. They can't afford to let that happen. And I don't know what the consequences will be if it doesn't go right. Probably won't be good, but I don't, I, I don't, I can't say for sure right now. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll fire everybody if that happens. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's so hard to get a read on some of this stuff. Like right now it seems preposterous, right? That we'd be sitting here a year from now talking about a team that went like seven and 10 again, but you know, we've said that before. How mm-hmm. much of it do you think is determined by how Deshaun Watson looks, right? Because they, they did pay so much money and they did give up so much and they did take on so much controversy. Um, and you do that in the hopes that what happens on the field kind of makes all that go, makes all the the distrust or, you know, whatever that came with that sort of fall by the wayside. If Deshaun Watson isn't Deshaun Watson, is that, does that just put more pressure on them? Because this was sort of, I don't want to call it the, the Hail Mary, but this was like the finishing touch. This was the, we're going to go get an elite quarterback at whatever cost. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't think you can overstate it. I mean, they certainly would not have put their fan base through what they did unless they thought that this quarterback could take them to the Super Bowl. It's why they did it. It's absolutely why they did it. So a lot of it is going to come down to how did Deshaun look? How did he play? Now, he's got to have a good supporting cast around him. I don't think it would necessarily be fair uh, to expect him to go to the Super Bowl with this current offense. I I just think that he needs more pass catchers. I think he at least needs two Pro Bowl caliber pass pass catchers. He needs a speedy receiver. He needs some more things um, that are going to help him get his job done. And if he has those things, then there should be no excuse for for not being successful next year. And, I, you know, I, th- I think part of this, too, is like, you, I mean, you can't really change the quarterback again. So, like, even if Deshaun struggles a little bit, if, even if he's not the guy he was a few years ago, if the team just isn't up to par, some something something's got to give, right? And it's not going to be your quarterback because you, you owe him too much money. Yeah. I mean... Things around him have got to go well. The, the play calling's got to go well. Um, you know, you're right, Dan. I, I mean, basically, what you're saying is, if things don't go well with Deshaun, the next place to look is going to be, or the first place to look is going to be Kevin Stefanski. How did he call the plays? How did he run the offense? 
And if they don't like what they see there, then certainly that will be evaluated very, very heavily because you can't really change the quarterback at $46 million a year. Um, that, you know, is an enormous financial commitment. They're still obviously super early on in that to the point where the dead cap money to do anything would be absolutely off the charts. They put all their eggs in this basket and they need it to work. Okay. Another question about Kevin Stefanski. This comes from Dan in Chattanooga. Hey, Mary Kate, what do you think Kevin Stefanski learned from this past season to get better at play calling? Or, you know, just in general, what do you think he learned from this past season? I think both of those are, I think there's, there's two prongs to it. Well, I, I think that he probably looked out there and watched that tape and realized that he does need to add uh, some, some talent, some, you know, a few weapons on that offense. I think that's probably uh, one of the first things. And those, those weapons have to fit and align well with Deshaun Watson. And there, there's a certain kind of skill set that you need to flourish and to succeed with Deshaun Watson. You've got to be able to, uh, you know, to stay alive and, and be really, really good on the scramble drill. You've got to be able to play with a dual threat quarterback and know that, you know, that you have to be ready for anything at any given moment. And you've got to be able to have the instincts to play in that kind of offense. And same thing with your offensive line. They've got to be ready for whatever comes. They have to be ready to hold the block maybe a little bit longer. Um, You know, they're probably going to have to have, you know, some, you know, a few more shorter options, you know, in the event that he starts scrambling around, you've got to have somebody that's going to be there for you. So you're not always taking that sack. Um, I think he learned that he's got to make sure that Deshaun Watson feels comfortable with what is being called. And I think that's vitally important. I think Deshaun has to be super, super comfortable with the, the scheme, the play calling, you know, do they need to do more, you know, up tempo? Do they need to do more? No huddle more RPOs, more designed runs, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, He's got to be a big part of that. He's got to feel super, super comfortable with the way the game is being called and the scheme that is in place. So I've been saying this in my Hey MKs and on here and everywhere else that, you know, he's got to be really upfront and honest about that. I do think that players sometimes are afraid to speak their mind and they sometimes don't want to rock the boat And I know I've seen this on both sides of the ball, but, you know, I think that, and we've talked about this before when he says he's got to have that man to man talk with Kevin, you know, it's a two way street, you know, they both have to lay their cards out on the table. And, and if you see something that you don't like, I mean, if Kevin wants to do something a certain way or thinks that a certain player is the right player for that role. And Deshaun doesn't think that he's got to speak up about that. He can't worry about, you know, ticking anyone off or, you know, or whatever the case may be. If he thinks they need to bring in Brandon Cooks, tell him he need to bring in Brandon Cooks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just have to do, you have to say it now. Now is the time that you've got to be really upfront and honest about what you think should be happening. Well, and that goes too with what we just talked about with, um, you know, you're not going to change your quarterback. Deshaun's got the power, right? If he wants to wield it. He's got, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the power dynamic, it's Deshaun. He is, mm-hmm. he's the quarterback. 
He's the highest paid player on the team. He's got the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Mm-hmm. If Deshaun wants something, his voice matters. And there's, you know, certainly the Browns can sit down with him and say, listen, this is why we think this is a bad idea. This is, you know, we disagree with you. Let's talk this out. But ultimately, Deshaun shouldn't be shy about saying what he wants because, I mean, this is his football team. And again, he's, of all the people that we talk about in this discussion, he's the one who's the most secure. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I haven't tweeted these out yet. I will um, at some point today. But the haze that I that I did do for Sunday and that I posted that posted at 5 a.m. this morning, um, I I do talk in there. The first hay is about would Brandon Cooks be a better trade target for the Browns than DeAndre Hopkins? Well, whichever player Deshaun Watson would want out of those two would be the guy that you would want to go pursue. And maybe it's neither. But if he feels like, hey, we need a Brandon Cooks, then they need to go see if they can get Brandon Cooks. Okay, And both of those players have been bandied about in in trade rumors, discussions, talks, um, reports, not just rumors. I mean, those two guys have a decent chance of of getting traded. Um, And Deshaun has had success with both of them. So, you know, if he feels like one of those guys needs to be on this team, or maybe even both of those guys need to be on this team, crazy as it would sound, uh, you know, again, now is the time to express himself about that. They've got decisions to make. They've got money to move around. They've got money to spend. Um, But, you know, if he feels like he needs a guy that he has had success with and connected with, you know, for a thousand yards with before, you know, maybe, maybe he wants something like that. I don't know, but you know, I would think that those guys would at least, you know, that their names would come up somewhere. Yeah. And then cooks is interesting. You know, he signed that extension. He signed through 2024. He signed that extension last year um, with the Texans. So you'd probably have to do something with that contract to get him in, but right. um, yeah, he's interesting. He's uh, he's, this is his 30 year old season. He's under contract through 2024. Um, that, that seems like a good pairing, I would think with Amari Cooper, if you can, if you can fit that money, we had the big Amari Cooper discussion yesterday about what you do with his money. Um, if you brought in a guy like Brandon cooks, that seems like a guy who would fit well with him. If you can make that money work with those two guys. And, you know, I think you can make the money work. You just have to make sure that you are spreading it out or giving it in a, um, signing bonus and lowering the cap number for the initial year and then, you know, taking it out a couple of years with some voidable years and things like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot that you can do. Um, the, the thing for fans to remember is that if the Browns decide that they want to add a player in free agency or a trade, they're going to find a way to do it. Now we know the cap number went up yesterday, $16.6 million to $224 million. Okay. The Browns are still over the cap, but they have a number of things that they can do to get underneath the cap and to figure out how they want to accomplish their goals. We've talked about some of these things before. Some of them are uncomfortable to talk about, but it's the reality of the situation. And anybody that's got double digit millions in their cap number is somebody that's going to be looked at to see. Is there anything that we can do? And I'm talking about Deshaun too. I mean, 
you know, you might want to do something with that 50, almost $55 million cap hit for next year, right? You know, you've got him, you've got that big Amari number, you've got the big JJ3 number. You know, there are a lot of guys that, that you might want to think about restructuring or some guys in some cases will get cut. Um, so there are decisions to be made and those decisions have to be made, you know, really within the next six weeks. This is not, you know, oh, they have until July. No, 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 no. They have to make a lot of these decisions by the start of the league year when you have to be under the cap or when your roster bonuses are coming due. Like JJ3 has a $1 million roster bonus coming due. Um, You know, in some cases you want to get these decisions made before free agency starts. So you have the money to go out and try to, Sign a Deron Payne or a, a Javon Hargrave or somebody like that. One of those great defensive tackles. So these, yeah, these decisions have got to get made fairly soon. And, you know, some of the business will take place, of course, as we all know, at the combine. And we'll be going to the combine. And, uh, you know, some of these discussions, a lot of these discussions take place there because that precedes the start of the league year. So, we will start to hear, we'll start to hear some news, you know, right around the, you know, that first week in March. And, uh, you know, like you just look at like New Orleans over the years, how they've, I mean, it seems like every year they're in cap hell and then mm-hmm. they, they figure it out and they end up adding players and, uh, you know, it's, it's has started to catch up to them a little bit, but you can always figure out there's a reason that people joke that the salary cap in the NFL isn't real. I wouldn't go that far. But you can certainly maneuver the cap and do different things and free up money. And, you know, you wake, wake up one day in cap hell and then you go to bed that night and you've got $10 million all of a sudden to spend on somebody. I mm-hmm. am interested, though, there are a lot of teams out there with a lot of money to spend. And the Browns mm-hmm. have been big spenders under Andrew Barry. They've generally gone out and given somebody big contracts. That's mm-hmm. not usually... I'm a little surprised by that. That's not usually kind of the the smartest. It's usually not thought of as the smartest way to build a roster, but they've had to fix holes uh, and Mm -hmm. they've done it. I'm curious what this off season is going to look like for them, because you're going to have some teams that are, that want to make a jump, like the bears, the jets. There's, there's some teams out there with some really, really big cap dollars to throw around. Um, And I'm, I'm just wondering how that's going to shake out when you get to teams you know, like the Browns that just aren't that team anymore. They're not in that phase of their build where they have tens and millions, tens of millions of dollars to, to throw at free agents. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there, there are certain positions on this team that we've talked about, like, um, you know, like center with Ethan Posick, where other teams might have more money to spend on him. And that's a pretty important position center. You know, you want to have a good center especially with, you know, Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, you don't want to mess around with not having a good center. So that's going to be a tough decision because, as you said, some teams have money to just throw around. And generally, a guy like that is going to hit the jackpot and get paid. And the Browns might not be able to pay him, which I just, I don't know. I think they need to do whatever they can to try to pay him because I don't know that you can count on Nick Harris as your center for next year. Unless there's another center that you think is out there somewhere for you and can get that job done, 
um, then, you know, I think you have to at least make a real concerted effort to try to hang on to Ethan Posick because that's when your line was playing really, really well. And you want to hit the ground running like that with somebody that knows your system, that knows, um, you know, that knows Deshaun and that can work well with your guards and the rest of the line. So that's one area that they're going to have to look at. Again, the uncomfortable conversation about Amari Cooper. Of course, they want to keep Amari Cooper and they'll do everything they can to keep Amari Cooper. And in the end, I think they will keep Amari Cooper. But I think something's got to give on the financial side of that. Um, John Johnson 3, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep John Johnson 3. Certainly it would be a restructure. Um, and will he go for that? Will he not? I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like they think they can get that job done for a little bit less money than that. And I mean, look. That these are things that happened last year with, you know, with Jarvis and with JC, you know, it's just, it's just the business side of the game. Yeah. I mean, they, there's some guys, you know, you've, you've mentioned a few that Jakeem Grant's another one. Um, mm-hmm. He's eaten up a lot of money and you, you probably found a guy that can turn kicks for you. And at some point you have to ask how much do we want to pay? Um, just looking up his cap hit right now. And he's coming off an Achilles too. He's 30 years old coming off an Achilles mm-hmm. and He's got a three three and a half million dollar cap hit next year, and you can you can save a little over two million uh, if if you cut him. So th- those are the decisions you have to make, um, and and that's again that's just where this team is. It's not a bad problem to have because it means you have some good players who you paid a lot of money to, but now you have to kind of maneuver the rest of that roster. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, there are some questions people had about free agents uh, and some people the Browns might or might not bring back. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast and Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Tuesday. Uh, Mary Kay, I like this question because I, you know, I like talk, I just like talking about this guy. Anthony in Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, what is the likelihood of being able to re-sign Jacoby Brissett? If unlikely, who might the Browns go after? Well, first of all, the Browns would love to have Jacoby Brissett back. They would love to have him. He's great in the locker room. He's great for Deshaun Watson. The thing about Jacoby Brissett, who is becoming an unrestricted free agent is in March, is the fact that another team might look at him as a starter. Now, he was not in demand last year when the Browns acquired him to start for them for the beginning of the season. He, nobody else was clamoring for Jacoby Brissett for that role. But I think he played his best ball under Kevin Stefanski. And I think he reestablished himself as a starter where teams will look at him and think, hey, you know, he can get the job done. He's an upgrade over the guy that we have now. Or he's a great bridge quarterback uh, between our rookie that we have coming in that we're about to draft or our, you know, first year young guy that that's going to play for us eventually, uh, you know, that he could be either a bridge starter or a bona fide one-year starter somewhere, or a two-year starter. So that's what he wants. He's going to hold out for that opportunity. If it doesn't come, then I think he, I mean, I know he would be open to coming back here. He likes it here. He's happy here. He enjoyed playing with Deshaun. Those guys have a really nice rapport. Everybody else loved Jacoby Brissett. We loved Jacoby Brissett. He was our good guy award winner. Um, So Jacoby, yes. They would love to have him back. He wants some kind of a starting job. 
or at least a chance to challenge for the starting job. Here in Cleveland, he is not going to go into training camp and win that job from Deshaun Watson. He knows that's not going to happen here. But there are a number of places, a number of teams, probably half a dozen teams, where the job might be a little bit up for grabs. And he might just get one of those, you know, Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariota, one of those kind of jobs. If he gets one of those, that's what he wants. So, yeah, the only way he's coming back is if he he has no chance to start somewhere. Yeah, he's 30 years old. He'll probably never get a better opportunity um, coming off a year like this. So I I certainly can't blame it because somebody somebody out there is not going to get their quarterback. Somebody out there is going into this offseason thinking we need to get a quarterback and they aren't going to get him. And then guess whose phone is going to ring? Good old Jacoby's. So, you know, this might be a situation where it's the end of March or whatever, and he ends up signing somewhere. But um, some opportunity is going to present itself. Um, Like you said, maybe maybe it is something like, you know, the Texans want to have a veteran in place before they turn to some rookie or the Colts Mm -hmm. or whomever. Like like there's something there. There's some opportunity there for him to start for at least the beginning of a season, if not longer. Yeah, and he is such a great mentor and teacher that, I mean, he could help set up. And remember how Josh McCown used to be able to do that? He can set up a young quarterback uh, with a really great foundation and get him set for his career by mentoring him as a rookie. And so that's probably one of the best situations for him. And in the event that that rookie quarterback isn't ready to just get thrown in there right away, that's where he could come in and maybe he starts the first six games. Maybe he starts the first eight games. But whatever the case may be, if he sees that, that would be the ideal situation. And some team would be really, really smart to acquire him for that kind of role. And, you know, like we talked about, if that doesn't materialize, the Browns would be really smart to bring him back. I mm-hmm. mean, he's, he's like the perfect backup quarterback. You know, he's a veteran. You know you can trust him. He's great in the locker room. He just he just gets it. He understands the job. And I think, you know, I used to kind of be like, oh, bring in somebody young and develop them behind the starter to be your backup. But I I think you just got to have a guy you can trust at this point, whether he's 25 or 35. You just got to have a guy that you can trust to come in and win you three games in November if, if your starters hurt or something like that. Yeah. And if he doesn't come back here, it's not because they didn't want him to. And it's not because they didn't try. It's because he had another opportunity somewhere uh, where he could go and try to get on the on the field. So that um, you know that's basically the deal with uh, with Jacoby. And it, the other thing too it, with these veterans is the backup quarterback is almost like another coach. Um, they, mm-hmm. they sort of have to prepare the starter and help the starter get ready, and, and that's it's an important role even even if you're not playing. Um, all right, let's go to uh, a question here. I gotta find it before I can ask it. Okay, this comes from Michael in Mesa, Arizona. Hey, Mary Kay, Richard Sherman called the Chubb-Hunt combo a rock and a hard place. I kind of like that nickname. Uh, It boggles the mind that because he might want more money that the Browns would let Kareem Hunt walk. Basically, what Michael is asking is, do you think there's a reasonable price that could bring Kareem Hunt back to Cleveland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
for the most part, I kind of think the ship has sailed. You know, usually when the ship has sailed, you get a feeling about that. You get a vibe about it. It's in the air. And this is one of those situations where it just feel like, feels like it's over. It's over, right? I mean, when you are, you know, asking to be traded in training camp, not going in, uh, you know, to practice on, on certain days, having to be talked into going back into practice. Uh, that is not necessarily going to end well for you. And I, I think I think it's time for him to move on. Having said that, I have seen situations where you absolutely think it is over and the player comes back. David Njoku is one of those players, right? There have been a number of times where we thought, he's gone, it's over, he's out of here, and lo and behold, he's back. Now, he was an Andrew Berry draft pick, so that holds a lot of water. That's not the case with Kareem Hunt. Um, but, I, you know, there probably is a number whereby he could come back, but it, sometimes it's a it's a pride thing too, where you might rather go take less with someone else than to kind of have to come back and accept that from the team that paid you twelve million dollars over the last two years and doesn't really want you anymore and didn't really make any effort to keep you. Sometimes you realize, okay, it's not always about the money. I'm going to go somewhere else. I do wonder what he what he gets on the open market. I, I don't think there's a big contract out there waiting for him. I, I don't even know if there's one similar to the extension he got um, here in Cleveland. So, you know, it could be a situation where maybe he's sitting out there for a little while and the two mm-hmm. sides kind of come back together or, you know, I'm just trying to think where there's probably some places where he could end up at a pretty reasonable price that aren't Cleveland. Um, or maybe he goes back to Kansas city or something or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, they're, third down back there um, or the Rams or I, I don't know. There's got to be some place that'll, I, I don't think he's going to command a lot of money, but I think there's going to be places out there that are like, yeah, we'll bring in cream hunt for a couple million dollars. And I, I just think on the Brown side that it does feel like they're ready to move on. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, with some teams, he might still have to overcome his past transgressions a little bit, whereas the Browns basically had forgiven their hometown player for that. And, um, you know, John John Dorsey was willing to give him that chance. And, and the, the current regime, you know, kept him around, signed him to that extension, the two-year $12 million extension. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that could play a factor in it too. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really want to leave. He just wanted to play and to get paid. So we'll see. It was a rough and stressful season. And I actually do think that, you know, he might actually be better off somewhere else himself. And and to his credit, you know, he showed up and he played. Um, He didn't Mm -hmm. have the season he wanted to have. But, um, you know, even though he didn't want to be here, once they got him back on the practice field and got him going through those team reps, he did show up and he did play. Um, Mm -hmm. And he, he answered the bell. So, um, you know, he at least deserves credit for that. Um, and it it was good to see him kind of revive his career. It was a perfect storm. Like you mentioned, it was the GM who drafted him. It was his hometown team. It was kind of the perfect storm to bring him back and he earned that extension. So, um, I, I think even though this is, might not end quite the way he wanted it to, I, I think it's, uh, 
I think it's a, a good story here for Kareem Hunt. I think it's a, I think it ends up being like a happy, not a happy ending because he's going to keep playing. But you know, it's it was a good story him coming home and kind of turning his career around. Well, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, he and he he paid his dues. He did what he needed to do. He served a suspension, and uh, and he was able to salvage something from a really bad situation and get himself turned around, which is the most important thing. I mean, he, you know, he's been a, uh, you know, a good member of the Cleveland community since that incident. He was able to get himself, you know, rehabilitated and turned around. Um, And in the process, he was able to, if he plays his cards right, set himself and some of his family up for life with the money that he made here. So, um, you know, I, I do like Kareem. I do like a, a story of redemption. I like a person that can change and do good in the world. Uh, so I, I'm happy that he was able to do that. Um, and so I, for one, want to see him continue to have success, to go somewhere and to continue his playing career and, you know, and to have, you know, nice rest of his career. And I know some people will probably disagree with me on that and can't understand why I would um, even be saying these things about uh, someone that was involved in an incident like that. But I I do believe in second chances and third chances. I do believe that people can change. I do believe people can uh, pay for their wrongdoing and turn their lives around. And I like when people are able to do that. It's much better for us in society to have people that have turned themselves around than the alternative. Okay, we're going to end with that here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition on a Tuesday. All those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter. Uh, you get to read those subscriber stories on cleveland.com, and you can become one of our text subscribers as well. So again, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and on Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.